Welcome, Bible Rundown, day 37. We're looking at Exodus 39 through 40 in Matthew 23. You are here with pastors Rob and David. Rob, we are closing out Exodus. We've made it to the end. And uh, interesting close to this book. What do you see in chapters 39 and 40? I I love that we're closing out Exodus. It's amazing <laughs> to get through the first two books of the Bible. But but what what jumps out to me is is they're doing what God told them to do. And thus they're, they're doing uh, the work of the Lord. And I love verse 30. They made the plate of the holy crown of pure gold hmm. and wrote on it an inscription like the engraving of the signet, holy to the Lord. And so this crown they placed upon, <clears throat> uh, upon the high priest. And so, the high priest king again the crown is representation of king jesus who will come and be the ultimate high priest who will intercede on behalf of his people of god's people the children of abraham who are of faith in god that will provide the lamb who was slain for them just as he did in the passover so all of these things right are coming together in the high priest king who is jesus who is holy to the lord who is the representative for God's people. And he is the only one who can do that because he's the only one holy to the Lord. David. Yeah, and then at the end of 39, uh, what stands out to me, we were talking about it yesterday, but just the people's obedience results in blessing from God. So verses 42 mm -hmm. and 43, they do everything that Moses asked them to do that came from the Lord's mouth himself. And, and God blesses them. And this is going to be the theme of the covenant that God has for the people. If they will simply do what he says, he will bless them. And uh, we're going to see, though, as we continue to go, just this struggle that the people have with God. But then as we get closing out chapter 40, um, the anointing of the priest, to your point, we've got Aaron, the high priest, but then his sons are also anointed. And in verse 15, this anointing uh, establishes for them this perpetual priesthood, right? And so they are the tribe that's been designated by God to be in service to him. But the end of it is always kind of interesting to me, Rob. The They do the tabernacle. They've been brought out of Egypt into the wilderness. It's almost as if God is reversing everything that went wrong at the end of Genesis and is bringing them back to kind of like an Eden-like state, right? Where they can be in his presence. But when his presence comes down, nobody can even enter the tabernacle. Right. So what are we to make of the end of Exodus? Yeah. So you're supposed to read this and, and see that the glory of the Lord fills the tabernacle. So they set up all the all of the, the pictures, right? And they set everything up and then the glory of the Lord comes and fills the tabernacle. But Moses is not allowed in. Mm. And so <clears throat> it, it's just this, Moses is not able to enter. Who is going to enter, right? Who is going to enter? How will they enter? And that's what takes us to Leviticus, right? And this is the process of them entering in to the presence of God. And so... Uh, of course, it's all picturing Christ and, and bringing us to the one who will enter in 
uh, to the presence of God and br- usher us into the presence of God as well. But that's what we're trying to, to see at the end. So yeah. uh, Matthew chapter 23, David, I know you got a lot to discuss here once you start. Man, you know, so just counting how many times that Jesus says, woe to the, to the Pharisees and the scribes, I think there's seven total. So interesting connection, right? The number seven is something that we see recurring throughout both Old and New Testament. Um, but Jesus basically gives here his laundry list of, of things that have gone wrong with the spiritual leadership that Israel was supposed to have um, guiding them, as we just said, to where they could be in the presence of God and God's presence could dwell among them. And uh, some of the things that really jump out to me are just uh, particularly for you and I as pastors, the role of spiritual leadership, right? Being one where I think, especially when you look at what he says in verses nine through 12, um, but shepherd teachers or pastors, how, what elders, whatever title we want to give them, they need to be people that um, they're serving, right? And, right? and we have a member in our church that says, pastors that get their hands dirty, right? And, and figuratively just pointing out that, you know, the role of spiritual leadership is not just to teach what God has done, but to model it. And the Pharisees and the scribes have seriously gone astray and just burdening the people with these things and not even practicing the things that they're teaching. Um, but that was one thing that jumped out to me just right from the beginning of what Jesus calls out. What do you see? Yeah, you, you don't really picture uh, Jesus who is filled with all this mercy and grace as the Jesus who describes the scribes and Pharisees to so the religious leaders of the time. So it's like going to a group of pa- pastors in the Oklahoma Baptist Convention and saying, uh, you hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. Mm-hmm. You blind Pharisee first cleaned inside the cup and the plate. Then he says, you scribes and Pharisees, you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead bodies, people, dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. I think he is <clears throat> doing something here that maybe uh, makes us uncomfortable in today's world. Um, but the idea is, is that if the heart is not right, yeah, the body and the physical shape and the appearance of someone will follow. Right. And so the idea that, that you may speak to someone's heart in a manner, in a way that is maybe even hurtful to them in order to save their soul from hell we as Christians actually should speak truth in love. And this is actually speaking truth in love because Jesus is basically saying, you think that you have it all together and yet you are very far from where God has determined you to be. And so at the end of the day, what they end up doing is killing Jesus on the cross and proving what Jesus actually was saying to begin with. Uh, here in this text is is that they they will they they kill the prophets they will continue to kill the prophets why because they reject the truth of God and His Word and those that speak on behalf of the Lord which was Christ Himself so at the end of the day Jerusalem rejects Christ the the spiritual leaders rejects Christ and um, 
And, you know, this is the one whom they crucify. That's what Peter says, as God has made him both Lord and Christ. Yeah. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, Looking forward to joining you all tomorrow on the Bible Rundown. Thanks.